Here is the tea, though. Right. Now, I figured since we were talking about him, it's not anything good. Like, dang! Like, this the main piece, kid! <laughs> Who's surprised? Who? Not me. Who's surprised, not right? Not me. Someone has to. We got short kings! <laughs> Someone has to be out there loving the short kings. Uh, hey, y'all. Welcome to another episode of Tea Time. Hello, everybody. How you doing, Zo? I'm so good. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm really excited about today's episode. Can you believe? No, same. Can you believe this is our fifth episode? No, I actually can't. It's gone by so fast. Only one more left and we're done for the season. No, don't say that. I'm sorry. But usually we talk about pro athletes, whether it's football, basketball, baseball, golf, whatever, whatever. But today, I mean, we're in college. Why not cover some college sports? I'm ready for this. Okay. So, you know, obviously we're going to stick with the theme of something dramatic and scandalous but specifically college players so let's get into it so first up we have aaron hernandez now mm. i feel like that should automatically raise some flags when you hear that name yeah but just a quick run now we all know his story about he he was arrested and convicted for the murder of odin lloyd and later hanged himself in prison um, he played for the new england patriots for about three seasons before all this came to light and it was just, it's just a really unfortunate thing to happen to someone. He had such a promising career. He was very talented. I mean, he was a great player in college. It's just really unfortunate. And honestly, he had some issues underlying that for a while went unnoticed or people were just brushed it aside. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's kind of why he got to the point to where he did. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So let's just jump right into it. I mean, like I said, that he had underlying problems and, the, and like the signs of trouble started when he was in college. Aaron Hernandez played for football for the University of Florida from 2007 to 2009 before entering the draft in 2010 and becoming a New England Patriot. However, during his time in Gainesville, Aaron was connected to two violent incidents. Oh. Yeah. So sorry to offer that. Yeah. Yeah. Not good. First off, Aaron was only 17 when he got to the University of Florida because the head coach at the time, Urban Meyer, convinced Aaron's high school principal to let him graduate more than a semester early. So not only was he dealing with the changes of, one, living in a new city, because he's from Connecticut, and obviously Florida and Connecticut are two different places, and two, he was younger than everyone else, like way younger. Wait, is that even... I know you can graduate early, but yeah. is it legal for like your college coach to be convincing your principal to let you graduate early? I mean, honestly, I don't even know. Somehow it happened. But yeah, so he had to just to a lot of new things at a young age, you know, new campus, new team, new state. I mean, it was a lot. It's a lot for a 17-year-old to handle. Yeah. This led Aaron to having his first encounters of trouble with the law during his first year at University of Florida. All of a sudden, I'm to tell you now, it happens within his first year there. Oh my gosh. Okay. So during the spring of 2007... Aaron was accused of punching a bar manager while out with Tim Tebow, who was the quarterback uh, at University of Florida at the time, for a failure to pay his bar tab. Now, remember, he's only 17. Yeah. And he's out at these bars. He's hanging out with his teammate, you know, going a little crazy or whatever. And, you know, allegedly Aaron said that he thought a fan had paid for the drinks and, and actually admitted to punching the manager. And his punch was so severe that he managed to rupture the manager's eardrum. <gasps> Yeah. Oh, my God. At 17? Yes, at 17. <laughs> yeah. And what? Yeah. Tim Tebow, like, he said he tried to intervene, but, like, there was no getting in between, you know, Aaron and that guy. It's just, like, crazy. And, you know, obviously you expect to, you know, he would get charged with something. He would, you know, a fine, literally anything. Nope. Nothing. Nothing happened. They just swept it under the they rug. Just, Swept it in the rug. Wow. So then months later after that, that was in the spring. This is in like September, like August, September-ish. Aaron was investigated for a double shooting in Gainesville, but again, nothing came out of it. 
Here, here's the rundown. Here's what happened. Three men were sitting at the stop at a stoplight on their way home from a nightclub when a man walked up and fired five shots into the car. One of the shots went into the back of the head of one passenger and, to, and the other went into the arm of the passenger. So two of them were wounded. Aaron allegedly fit the description of the man who shot them and one passenger accidentally picked him out of a police lineup. Oh. Yeah. So on the same night, Aaron and some of his teammates were at that same club. So, and they were wanted for questioning, but they didn't show up to the police station for four hours. Four. And it turned out that they were late because they were visiting a lawyer, like the team's defense lawyer that gets them out of all this stuff to like help them come up with a story or something. Team. Right. So all the players, they eventually get down to the station and all of them answer the police's questions except for Aaron. He refused. He sure was like, nope, I'm not going to answer anyone. I'm not going to talk to you. I don't care. I'm not going to talk to you. Mm-mm, nope. Uh-oh. Yeah. Which, I mean, is legal. It That's is true. fine. Yeah. But still, if you're trying to clear your name. And I don't good. know when his birthday is, so I don't know if he was still a minor. So that could have also played into the fact why he refused. But one of the, pa- the passengers who was hit in the back of the head, obviously he had to like go through surgery. And he later told the police that the suspect may not have been Aaron, but he assumed it was because Aaron had been involved in an altercation at the club earlier that night. So there was another altercation. Yeah. Something went down at the club beforehand, before all the shooting happened. What? It, right. Right. But also it like makes me think, was this guy like bribed to say that like he was mistaken? Oh, I right. didn't even think about that. When I was doing my research, I was like, what? What do you mean? How are you going to change your story? Like, because he knows Aaron Hernandez mm-hmm. has really like he's probably going to go into the NFL. He's a high prospect player. He's going to make money. Maybe it's like, oh, I'm just going to let it slide, and then he's just going to give me money later. I mean, maybe. If he's being bribed. Maybe. Well, I, when I say bribed, I'm like, maybe, like, the University of Florida football department oh, might have done something. You think, oh, okay. I thought you were saying, like, it was by Aaron, like, no, him no, bribing. No, 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 no. I feel like, one, because he was, like, so young, and two, he was, like, about to be their new star tight end or whatever, that the, the department's like, you know what? We'll just slip you this little, this little check. Yeah. And you, you were mistaken. You, you didn't see Aaron. It wasn't Aaron. It, it was someone else. It was someone who looks just like him. Like when I was That's doing crazy, on- actually, you think about. Because, too, Urban Meyer and Tim Tebow specifically mm-hmm. have been looked at as, like, very, like, righteous. Yep. And, like, yep. you know, they do all the right things. And then there's this. And, too, the fact that Tim Tebow was literally with him on the first altercation. Yeah. I mean, that's the only instance where Tim Tebow was wrapped up in all this Aaron Hernandez stuff. He wasn't there for the second thing. But yeah. I get what you mean. Especially yeah. with Urban Meyer. Like, this you is like a big, cut it out. Yeah. But no. So, I mean, with these two events, you would assume that he would, you know, face some consequences. But no, no charges were filed for either event. And they didn't even surface until later when Aaron was being investigated for the murder of, of Odin Lloyd. Yeah. Who he ends up being convicted for and goes to prison for. So all of this stuff that happens, right, and that, like all this violent stuff that happened within his first year at University of Florida doesn't even come to light until way later like six way later yeah six or seven years later that's crazy and when i I was thinking if he had just been convicted for one of these things maybe he could have got the help he needed maybe he'd still be here today yeah maybe you know he wouldn't maybe odin lloyd wouldn't be dead too you know what i mean Mm -hmm. i feel like if if these athletes you know have to face consequences at an early age instead of being like oh he's a star athlete whatever then the past of their life would probably change for the better too 
Exactly. Wow, that's crazy to think about. I hadn't even thought about it from that perspective either because, I mean, obviously you think this is one instance mm-hmm. and it makes me think of, like, how many other instances there are of it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, what else is being swept under the rug? I mean, there's no. so many different things that are happening in, athlete- in the world of athletics, not just college, but also pro, too. Yep. yep. And people just let's hide it, let's sweep it on the rug, let's sweep it on the rug. And then what ends up happening to those players? It doesn't end up helping those players at all. Oh, not at all. Not at all. And that's the thing. When, you know, like the team's defense floor covered all this up, Aaron and Meyer, the coach was like, oh, we'll take care of it. Don't even worry about it. Aaron realized I can get away with a lot more than a regular student could, than a regular person would, just just because I play football at the University of Florida. So that probably also fueled the way he acted later on. Mm -hmm. Because he's like, oh, it's fine. Someone will clean up my mess. I don't have to deal with it. It's fine. But switching gears a little bit, he continued to get in trouble, you know, while he was there. But it was specifically with drugs. Weed, I guess. But I don't know if you... Anyway. Yeah. Specifically with weed. He was suspended for the first game of the 2008 season because of a failed drug test. Like... So patterns of misbehavior. Yeah, patterns of misbehavior. And, you know, allegedly Aaron had been smoking weed since high school, and he reportedly told his lawyer, Jose Baez, that he was high every time he stepped on the field at University of Florida. No way. Yeah, every time. What? Mm Mm-hmm. But I mean... (laughs) I don't even know how to feel about that, because... There's sometimes where I'm like, oh, maybe it, like, if he's, like, a very aggressive mm-hmm. person, maybe mm-hmm. it did help him. Yeah, like, maybe it calmed him down. Calmed him down so he yeah. wasn't as aggressive. Yeah, maybe. And violent. I mean, it didn't, he was very successful on the football field. Oh, like, yeah. He ended up winning the John Mackey Award for the NCAA's Most Outstanding Tight End in 2009. Yeah. So, like, he was, like, setting all these records and doing all these great things, and it's just, like, Maybe it's like you said, maybe it was helping him. Yeah. It's just wild to think about that. Yeah, it is. It makes me think of John Daly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> totally different people, but it makes but, me think yeah. about that. And it turned out Aaron actually failed multiple drug tests during his time at Florida. But, again, none of this surfaced. He was only suspended for one game. Right. One, he was only suspended for one game. And two, this stuff only surfaced in 2010 during the pre-draft process. Because he was interested in the draft in 2010. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So, it's like, again... These things are being brushed aside, swept in the rug, whatever analogy you want to use. Wake up, people. Wake, Wake up. up, please. That's all I have to say, but really. Yeah. It's, yeah. <sighs> I mean, this whole thing with the drugs, it, like, kind of affected his draft position, but the New England Patriots, you know, took a chance on him, mm-hmm. and he was drafted in the fourth round, so. Which is good. Which is, I mean, which I guess is good, because he, you know, got to continue playing the game he loved, which probably helped him a little bit, but yeah. I don't know. Also, and we all know it kind of happened. Yeah, me. we know what happened after that. But a little, a little fun fact: since this was a kind of dreary, Aaron and Gronk were drafted in the same year, 2010. Really? Yep, both to the New England Patriots. Wait, that's actually crazy because I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know that either. <laughs> that's interesting because you don't even think about both of them being like in the same time frame at all. Exactly, exactly. Because <laughs> they're two different people. Different. Yeah, they're so they're so different. So different. Oh. But um. Yeah, that's Aaron Hernandez, the college years. Thank you for that story. Yeah, you're very welcome. (laughs) Hey, y'all. With all these new shows popping up, you might be a little overwhelmed. Sports out of pocket. Hey, y'all, and welcome into another episode of Tea Time. Woo! How's everybody doing? How you doing, Tony? But don't forget about your OGs down at Sports Pack. Now, I kind of predicted this, you know, a couple shows ago. I said a perfect fit for Russell Westbrook would be to go to the Clippers. Sports Pack, every Monday and Thursday at 6 on Wolf Sports Network, now in Odyssey Station. The Wolves play here. 
But uh, <laughs> Zoe. Crazy. Yeah. So we're going to switch things up a lot. Yeah. From, from murder and drugs. Murder and drugs and all of that to a story about catfishing. Oh, yeah, Jana, tell us about yeah. catfishing. What's catfishing? <laughs> catfishing is when someone like portrays to be someone else on the internet than who they are in real life. So let's say like on a dating app, they have all these pictures of really attractive people or so just someone who's different than who they really are. And sometimes it's because they're trying to scam the other person for money or literally anything else. And so when the two people meet in person, one of them's like who are you? You're not the person I know. You're mm-hmm. not the person I've been talking to. And they're like, yes, it is. Surprise. Surprise. Shade. Oh, God. Yes. So we are talking today about Monty Teo. Oh, poor Monty. Poor, poor Monty. Poor Monty. If you don't know who he is, he was a NFL player. Or he did play at the NFL, but he played at Notre Dame. And this is kind of his time at Notre Dame is really when the story kind of hits the ground, Mm -hmm. and where it all starts. So let's just go through the timeline because there's, I feel like there's no, there's no other way to do this besides just going from timeline. Yes. So in 2009, Teo commits to play for Notre Dame, Mm -hmm. and he was very close to his family, Mormon raised, Catholic, like he, uh, in an interview, explained that his family ties were just like a very strong bond and he would do anything for his family so that kind of sets up the type of person that he is yeah he's like a sweetheart yeah he really is yeah. if you watch any interviews with him i'm always like oh, i hate this is that this happened to you but also yeah. like it kind of makes sense that it happened yeah to um okay so in 2009 also um somebody as the name of lene cacao okay facebook friended teo okay on Facebook. Uh-huh. So they became friends in 2009. In 2011, Monty reached out to, to, to Cacao for the first time after finding out that her father was really sick. So, you know, he wanted to support his online friend and just be there for her mm-hmm. and, you know, be a nice person. Be as we sweet, can tell. Right. The sweetheart the that he is. The type of person he is. Yes. So they began to talk a lot online, obviously. And they, after talking and getting to know each other and being serious and frequent uh, communication, they decided that they wanted to begin their long-distance relationship. Mm-hmm. And in a interview, as he's kind of explaining his thought process through the whole thing, he said that he felt like through their communication, they were just like the same person and very connected. Aww. And he also said that he felt like he was helping her so much that that kind of helped with their connection. Mm-hmm. So that's just a little bit about, you know, why he started this long distance relationship. I think a lot of athletes specifically are in long term or long distance relationships. So I feel like that's not really a surprise. Yeah. I think the surprise is that they had never, ever met yeah ever that's a huge surprise yeah and that's something that's a little more during this time like back into the the 2010s it's a little more taboo because it's like that's not as normal i feel like now like long distance relationships with people you've never met is like more normal yeah like you meet someone on twitter or instagram and like this is the love of my life but i've never seen them in person yeah and like facebook and snapchat because all these things like existed but back then you know it really was just facebook was like the biggest like form of social media and that isn't necessarily based around like 
pictures and images yeah, it's and mostly like a blog it's like a short form blog and stuff like exactly. that. exactly and the pictures you post could be from literally anywhere yeah so in the late 2011 monty decided to stay at notre dame for his senior year even though he was definitely eligible to play in the nfl and he had tons of nfl uh nfl prospects coming to him and all that stuff but he decided he wanted to stay one more year mm-hmm. and keep playing college football and also he said he revealed in an interview that another reason why he wanted to stay in college another year was because of his relationship with cacao so you know he stayed at notre dame for another year Mm -hmm. although in 2012 he learned that his girlfriend kakoa has been in a car accident and was in critical condition no and then supposedly he learned that she was placed on life support and she was also diagnosed with leukemia at the exact same time. Uh, I'm sorry, what? So he, obviously being the caring person he was, was overcaring, was like, oh my gosh, like I need to do anything for yes. you, like blah, blah, blah. So he's calling girl. her, he's calling her, he's yeah. supporting her, all this stuff. He's literally like, I need to help you, blah, blah, blah. And they're very attached at this point. They're yeah. very comfortable with each other because of everything that they have gone through. Yeah. Supposedly, you know, her father was super sick and he had to help her with that. And then she gets like, in a critical condition mm-hmm. and she's diagnosed with leukemia. September 2012, Monty gets a call that his grandmother has died. No. At the age of 72. No. That same night, he learns that his girlfriend also dies from her battle of leukemia. Stop. How did this not send him in a spiral? So. Oh, my goodness. One day, two people that he loves, just gone. Like that. Yeah, in an instant. In an instant. This is kind of where things start to blow up a little bit because he then plays in a game and just plays phenomenally like Mm -hmm. just goes balls to the wall like insane and he it was a game against Michigan State and after that game he dedicated his game to his grandmother and his girlfriend Mm -hmm. he was saying you know I played so hard because of them like all this stuff but then this is where people are kind of like starting to question because nobody can find reports he says his girlfriend's name yeah Nobody finds any birth certificate, no death certificate, no obituaries, no, no proof of her anywhere. No. None. No proof whatsoever. And oh, so God. he's like, what? Like, what are you guys talking about? Yeah, like, like what's, you're what's crazy. Happening? Like, no way. Like, well, like, there's just no way. So everybody in the media is like, dude, she's not real. Like, she's not real. Like, oh, she didn't exist. Oh, no. And he's like, no, like, she's definitely real. Like, this is my girlfriend. Like, yeah she died like you guys you need to like be supporting me yeah you're being so insensitive right now like oh my god and then one thing after another just starts kind of like crashing down he didn't want to like he said he didn't want to believe the media yeah but then his family is like no you're 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 being catfished this person's not real yeah and another layer layer to it is the person that was catfishing him also created a fake account for somebody claiming to be his cousin no. And so he thought that his cousin was real. Yeah. And he was communicating with his cousin about the girl. Yo. So, like, it was just another layer to it that he was like, oh, yeah, this is so believable. But the cousin wasn't even real. Yo, if that was me, I'd be like, I'd ask my parents, like, do y'all know such and such? Because, like, they're well-versed in our family dynamics and stuff. So if my parents didn't know them, but that's just me. Mm-hmm. That's just me. And so then his family is kind of saying, we think you're, you know, this is getting blown up. They're like, we think you're getting hoaxed. Like, we think you're getting yeah. catfished. Yeah. And then, sadly, oh. 
Deadspin, which is a published like a story publisher, mm-hmm. they posted a story about this story about Monty Teo, dead girlfriend, and how it's a hoax. Oh no! And then immediately after that, Notre Dame released a statement confirming that he had been a victim of hoax and promising to investigate the situation. Oh no! And then. He had to end up breaking his silence because people are thinking that maybe he was faking it, too, just to get attention. Oh, no. Because, like, he's about to enter the draft and all this stuff. Yeah. And he has to claim, you know, he has to say he had no idea about it and that he did lie about meeting her. Apparently, he had lied about saying, like, oh, yeah, like, I met her, I met her. But, no, he had lied about that. Yeah. But he did have to end up saying, yeah, I was catfished. Oh, so that's just kind of like the story in a whole. The later this past uh, August, August twenty twenty two, they made a documentary about it and everything. Oh, I might have to check that out. But yeah, that's basically the whole story. Did they ever? Was it ever revealed who was actually behind all of this? Yes, Naya Tuasasopo was the one that created and posed as the fake girlfriend. No. And they were explaining later in an interview in the documentary that they said that. At the time, they were struggling with their sexual identity. Okay. And that they thought that most of the reason they did this is because they liked the way they felt. Yeah. Being online as a female. Yeah. And so that is why they did it. Oh, no. Yeah. Which is sad because, like, you want to, like, feel for them. But then it's also, like, you know what you're doing is is wrong leading somebody Yeah. They could have done this any other way. I'm all for people, like, exploring their gender and sexual identity, but, like, not at the harm of others. Yeah. That's so disrespectful. That's so rude. So that's it. Short but sweet little story. Hopefully you guys were like, what? Yeah. I feel like this episode was a little bit of a downer. Yeah. But we had to end on a funnier side. High, a lighter Lighter side, I guess. But thank you so much for listening to episode five. Make sure you stick around and, you know, look out for our last episode of the season. So sad. But this is Gianna. And this is Zoe. And thank you so much for listening.